Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is the first glorious Goodwood podcast. We are previewing day one. I am your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding. It's just the two of us today, Andy, so all the pressure on you to give to give the listeners and the viewers some winners. Hopefully, yeah. Nice and cosy, just the two of us. Um, <laughs> almost can see a, a candle in the background and a glass of wine, can't we? <laughs> that would be lovely, but it is 11.20 on, on Friday yes. morning. For some people, it's a Friday. 11.20 is absolutely fine, but we should say... Given you know constraints around the weekend and stuff, we're recording this on Friday, um, so we have the you know the, the declarations and we haven't got the final um, runners and riders. We should say at this stage. So apologies for listening to this on Monday and some of it it's a bit dated, but we will be recording to uh, we're recording Wednesday, Thursday, and I think Friday's previews on Monday. So that should be a little bit more up to date. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, just before we get into the racing on the first day of the um, of the Qatar Goodwood Festival, just going to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Uh, download the app now. It is the best place to find all the best prices, the best bookie offers, the best free bets. And of course, tipsters such as Andy, it's the best place to find their tips every day. Uh, if you want to get on Andy's stuff before the prices start going, you need to have the Odds Checker app in the morning. Uh, to read all of his musings daily and it will be the same throughout the Goodwood Festival as well. So yeah, recording this on Friday morning just after 11 o'clock and as it stands at the moment, we have markets for the Unibet Euro and Handicap, which is the 145, um, for the Vintage Stakes, which is the next race, then the Lennox, then the, the Goodwood Cup and then the Handicap. So the two Handicaps and the Maiden, we don't have markets. So the 110, um, Andy, there's no market for this, but just because no. you've, I'm sure, had a look through the card, are there any that stick out to you as just horses to keep an eye on at the moment? And if they're still in the betting come Monday, might be worth having a, having a look at the price. Yeah, a lot of um, trainers are doubly um, entered here and jockeys are booked up on both horses in some instances. So we still don't know, even at this stage, who might or might not run. Has to be said, whatever happens here, um, Monarbit is likely to be one of the market leaders. I thought she was really impressive when she won at Ascot last time out, uh, beating a decent fielder when a good gallop was there, often doing those straight track races at Ascot. And um, I've got a sneaky feeling she still could be quite well handicapped for mark of 89. Obviously, we know the yard's in great form. Depends, of course, what draw she gets, but um, she's definitely on the shortlist. Along with those called Lady Bowthorpe, probably not one of the most leading lights here, particularly from a smaller stables such as William Jarvis, but that shouldn't put you off. I thought she ran really well last time at the Pippalong Stakes, which of course is a group three, or I think it might be a listed concert actually. Mm. Uh, Pontefract last time out run by Ramala. Again, another good time figure, but if you go back and watch that race, you'll notice that Lady Bowthorpe raced on the outside of the pack that day, giving away a lot of ground. And as we know, that's usually one way ticket to disaster at Pontefract going around on the wing. So for her to keep on as well as she did and finish fourth as a creditable effort, uh, she was a um, a good winner early on in the season at Lingfield and again in a strong time. And that run last time out certainly suggests that she's capable of mixing it against the big boys uh, on, a, on a big stage. So with the William Jarvis team in good form, Aragato, of course, have been flying the flag for the same owner in, in um, good handicaps this season, such as the Bunbury Cup. Um, I, I think, you know, with, with, with Ryan Moore booked as well, that, that very much seems to be a signal of intent of 
Lady Bowerthorpe's um, chances um, come Tuesday. So if she if she does run and gets a good draw, I'd, I'd be half interested in her along with Mo a bit, Mon a bit. Ryan Moore took up the ride in Newmarket back uh, about a month or so ago uh, in what looks on paper a disappointing run, uh, four and a half lengths behind Jim Palace. But Ryan Moore, after the race, said that the horse was denied a clear run. So maybe yep. he feels like he has some unfinished business aboard Lady Bowerthorpe. So Lady Bowerthorpe there. And uh, Manabit, the two getting positive mentions from Andy, uh, should mention again, no market at the moment, but worth keeping an eye on those two if they're still in the race uh, come the beginning of next week. Uh, on now to the Unibet, you're on Handicap. And we have a, uh, a special offer here. So before we get into the Handicap, I should mention that the Betfair Exchange have a brilliant offer for Goodwood called the Free Bet Streak. Simply bet £20 on the race, and when it settles, you receive a £20 free bet. This can then be split into multiple bets, and if you win that bet, you receive a further free bet for the following day, and so on. So, Andy, the question I have to you here is that <laughs> if I gave you a £20 free bet to punt on this race right now, what would you be going for? Oh, goodness me. I've got a short list of three, but if you now my colours to the mass with one, I'd probably have to go with fifth position. I thought it ran a really good race in the John Smith. So John Smith, as we all know, is one of the best, if not the best, mile and a quarter handicap of the season. The time figure is always good. And you almost need to be a group horse nowadays to win that race. And fifth position was very well backed uh, in the build-up to the race. And unfortunately, he gone and went and bagged a, a fairly modest draw. I think he was drawn some, something like 19 of the 20-odd runners. Um, you know, which isn't great with any stretch of the imagination. But to run as well as he did to finish third, Behind uh, the winner, Sinjari, I think was a was a, an above-average performance. And the cap has kept him off a mark of 104. He hasn't put him up. Um, and going back early on in the season, you'll notice he finished third in that very good race at, Link, at uh, Newcastle, which has thrown up uh, not only the um, Hunt Cup winner in the shape of Dark Vision, but also the Silver Hunt Cup winner in the shape of Sir Busker, who, of course, then ran on to, went on to run really well next time out in the Bunbury Cup over an adequate trip. So his form ties in together with lots of good handicappers this season who have gone on to be better in better company. And I think this also probably end up running in Group 3, stroke Group 2 further on in his career. He's very lightly raced. And he's the type of horse that will always likely to be going well in a race like this because he's got such a high cruising speed and he's used to running in strongly run races. So he would be the number one. Uh, so that um, ticks that particular box. Of the others that I'd like to look at if there were slightly bigger prices, uh, the horse that finished fifth in the John Smith, the horse called Tin and Darley, caught the eye. This will be the first time he's gone to Goodwood, whereas fifth position, the other horse I mentioned, I forgot to point out that he's already run at Goodwood as well last year, of course. So that's a feather in his cap. Tin and Darley um, was also drawn badly at York, but he ran on quite eye-cuttingly from the back of the field. And I wouldn't totally discount Babbo's boy either. He clocked a very big number when he won at Adoc early on in the season, quicken up very smartly. The subsequent form of that race worked out really well. The likes of Herovian Country um, and there was another one in that race. Alternative fact of all one since. And then he went to the old Newton Cup a few weeks ago and he was third favourite, I think. But he finished end up last but one. But it was a very windy day that day. And he's had a horse who's had a breathing operation. As you well know, horses have had a breathing operation. The one thing that they do not want is a very windy windy day where that, that wind is being sucked down their throat. They want a nice, dry, clear, calm day when there's no wind around, where they, they're, they're going to be less affected by any sort of dynamics on that front. Um, so if it is good ground and there's, it's a still day, 
like it was when he won at Haydock. He could be a big prize, Babo's boy, because everyone think he, that that was his true <clears> running last time, actually, which it clearly wasn't. So those are the three I'd like to mention. Those are the three that have stood out to me. But um, yeah, fifth position, he's a course winner. He was third in the Magnet Cup, which is always a good trial. So that that he'll do for me. So the bigger prices there. Babo's boy for Rafe Beckett is six to one with Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook. Tina Andali, same bookies as twelve to one, as well as Unibet, the sponsors of the race. But the twenty pound free bet, as I mentioned with the uh, with the offer, would be on fifth position, who is eight to one, pretty much across the board. So as I will just mention again, with the Betfair Exchange free bet streak, bet twenty pounds on this race, the one forty five on Tuesday, the handicap, and when it settles. Win or lose, you'll receive a £20 free bet, which you can then split into multiple bets. So absolute no-brainer for those people listening who like a free bet. Get yourself on the exchange for that one. And he will be having his on fifth position. On to the Vintage Stakes, sponsored by Verve Clico. Um, and we have Battleground is the 11-8 to favourite, ahead of Devious Company and Toisol at 6-1. to Dark Lion, 8-1. to Military Style, 9-1. to King Zane, 10 to 1. You Spirit, 10 to 1. 12 to 1 bar. I think we can expect Toisol to be taking up another um, yep. engagement on Saturday. So unlikely to be running here, you would think. Uh, what? Let's start with Battleground at the top of the market, Andy. Do you see at this 11 to 8 as a vulnerable favourite or, or someone that we'd want to get on side? Yeah, vulnerable at the prices, um, has to be said, George. In 11 to 8, a, a slight overreaction. Um, I, I fancied him and put him up to win the uh, the Chesham because I thought he was the right horse for the race. I thought the Chesham this year was a slightly odd race in many respects. A lot of them only had the one run, so we, we didn't have many sample sizes to work out what might improve from the one run to the second. And he was the one that did because the time before on his debut, he ran a good race from a bad draw. I think he was drawn 18 of 18 at Nace and he was um, keeping on quite well beyond Lucky Vega in a race which has worked out well. The step up in trip suited him, so the seven furlongs of good will be fine. And he looks a long-term mile project, doesn't he? Or even further, looks at an out-and-out stayer. Often those Cheshire winners are out-and-out stayers. But the form hasn't really worked out well, and, and the time figure was poor as well. We've had three horses that run out of it. They've all got beat, Marsh Law, Modern News, and Bright Devil. So I'd be very reluctant to put him up 11 to 8, suggesting he's a good bet. Obviously, he's one of the most likely winners because he's a good horse in the making. But strictly on times and what he did last time, he, he offers no value at all. Whereas... I do think Devious Company will probably still come here slightly under the radar. Um, he won his first two races in pretty dogged fashion, making all the running twice at Haydock, which is something that uh, Richard Kingsford likes to do at that track. But then he was in more choppier waters last time out in the uh, the group two at um, Newmarket, which he was responsible for a very strongly run superlative. And he hung tough in there as well. I know he got beat three lengths in the end, but he got beat three lengths by a good horse called Master of the Seas, who quickened up very smartly. We'll get a chance to look at that form as well, because I fancy St. Lawrence, mm. um, um, as we speak on Friday for tomorrow's race, which I talked about in the first podcast we did for the weekend. I'm hoping he'll run well and boost the form line. So if he runs well or wins, we know that that um, um, Master of the Seas race at Newmarket has got plenty of solid vibes to it. So Devious Company, he's, a, he's an honest, brave horse. He's likely to be up with the speed, which is something you, 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 know, you, you associate lots of Goodwood winners with, out of trouble, if you like. Uh, so yeah, I, I, the prices I've got in front of me at the moment. I think he's around about the ninety two mark. Did you say something in around six, that? six to one best price? Six to one. Wow, that's a lot bigger than what I thought he would be. Yeah, verging onto uh, each way bet for nothing territory there, or gritty each ways as you would like to call it, George. Absolutely. Yeah, six to one at the moment with Betfair, uh, Sportsbook, and Paddy Power. 
Um, there's the one 11 to 8 pretty much across the board for Battleground. Any others at bigger prices? Dark Line obviously getting off the mark last time out after a couple of disappointing runs. Yeah, I think he's a nice horse. Um, he was uh, fourth, wasn't he, in the Coventry Stakes and then went mm. to Wolverhampton and won. Uh, I think the second horse has won since. So he, he's definitely a good horse going forward. Also, 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 I put up as well at Newmarket the other day to win a novice race, also Youth Spirit. Uh, he comes out of a good race first time out at um, Yarmouth. And um, he, I like the way he won at Newmarket. He, his figure was quite good that day. He, he's, a, he's a horse I think there's a, a nice future for. But um, the one who's already been there and done it, this kind of level, Group 2 level, I think has been dangerously dismissed. Um, put it this way: You'd rather take the six to one about him than you would Twassel at six to one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Who's not going to? Who's not going to run it? That doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> but if you, I, like, yeah, yeah, joking, no, aside, we... joking aside, I mean, you know, he's, he's obviously out of the way, and there might be one or two other non-runners here. Then everywhere that, oh, that that six to one with Paddy Power, I don't think that's going to last too much longer. So six to one, devious company. Uh, worth pointing out that Richard King's got dropped up already, which could be a decent yeah. indication that devious company won't be one of those to um to not last uh to the early next week in the betting because as with all of these races given when we're recording they they will cut up a fair bit and if you can be on the one that stays in there then that's half the battle at this stage uh on then to the lennox stakes the qatar lennox stakes and before we went on air andy just mentioned to me this looks like an absolute cracker and it does with space blues just about favorite at nine to two with bet 365 ahead of limato at five to one Safe Voyage is six to one. Dukes of Hazard seven to one. Lancaster House eight to one. Bit of money coming in for Sir Dancelot. All Blue and Odds Checker currently eight to one. Dream of Dreams is eight to one, but as short as five to one elsewhere. Pierre Lapin ten to one and uh, twelve to one bar. Mark a little bit all over the shop, but some classy horses here, Andy. What takes your fancy at this stage? Yeah, I mean, uh, for many years the sort of intermediate distance, as we call it, the specialist trip of seven furlongs has not necessarily really caught the imagination. Um, you know, the, the, it's the one stepping up out of, like, the July Cup category, you know, that, that the Golden Jubilee, and, and the milers that just don't quite get a mile end up sort of almost coming to these kind of races as an afterthought. Whereas mm. I genuinely feel, looking at this race, we've got four or five absolute top-class, world-class horses that over seven furlongs currently in training, namely Space Blues, um, last year's winner, Sir Dancelot, when he's on his A game. Dubai, who's well, who was really unlucky in this race last year. Lamato, I mean, he's, he's ideal distance, he's seven furlongs. He's proven that uh, year in, year out. And, um, you know, you can ch- chuck in uh, quite a few others um, into the mix. So I do feel as though this race is a stellar event. And I, I just wish we knew the draw and, and who's going to go on who at the moment. Mm. I, I do think um, the. Charlie Appleby team have got a very strong hand here because they've not only got Space Blues, but they've got that Dubai. And Dubai, I thought, won, won very well at Hayden last time. He, he'll he be clear top of um, my speed figures coming into this race. I know he will because that time was off the scale. Um, but I would hasten to add that, um, or, or I fear that William Buick will probably ride Space Blues because Space Blues beat Dubai uh, the time before in Longshot and confirming himself as one of the best seven furlong horses around. So if Charlie Appleby runs two and Dubai, let's say, is ridden by the second string jockey and he's overlooked, I certainly wouldn't put you off back in Dubai because I said he was unlucky in this race last year behind Sir Dancelot, who run all right, didn't he, the other day in the yeah. um, July Cup behind um, behind Oxted. And that was very much almost like a warm-up for this race. Um, I think he used that race as a stepping stone before he came here and won last year. 
save voids. I mean, what an admirable uh, com- com- competitor he is. Seven years old, but you know he's a real good, honest globe trotter for John Quinn. Um, he finished behind Space Blues first time out at Haydock. Won next time out at Epsom. I'm amazed he actually hasn't come into this race before. You'd think he's a seven furlong specialist. He would have had his, uh, you know, dipped his toe in the water in this race. But they 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 obviously have campaigned him elsewhere. So yeah, I mean, I think I think I've named the winner. I like I like to think I've named <laughs> the winner. Um, if I was going to have a better, if I knew it was running at, at this very moment in time, I'd, I'd say Dubai at fourteen to one is an absolute standout bet because he's already proven he can run really hard in a strongly run seven. And I think he would have won the race last year. He got a clear run. So under those circumstances, there's simply no way he can be four, three or four times the price than horses like Lamato and, and Sedan Salot, who I think he might have beaten last year. Yeah, Dubai 14 to 1 is readily available with Bet365, Skybet, William Hill, uh, Betfred and Boyle Sports there for what looks like a cracking renewal of the Lennox stakes. Um, should we mention just quickly uh, Lemato? Because you mm. touched on on how Seven Furlongs is quite clearly his ideal trip and, and obviously a very popular horse can often roll back the years as with his performance last time out. What do you, what would you say to those who maybe recognise Lamato listening to this and we'll, we'll fancy basically having a punt on him um, again this time out um, My only problem with him is he was so disappointed here last year wasn't he when, when mm-hmm. he when he ran behind um, um, Soudoir uh, in the, at the next meet and I, 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 I mistakenly thought he ran in, uh, against Sir Dancelot in, in this race last year of course he didn't he, raced, he went to Goodwood at the next meeting but he travelled really well that day and he found nothing just got a half a sneak inkling. He's best when he's fresh, like yeah. complete, like first time out, or if he has like a month or two off in between his races, because he's such a fragile horse. I'm not necessarily sure that he can string back-to-back performances together like like he he used to in the past when he was a little bit younger. So maybe he might have just peaked first time out, but look, you, you know, you'd never discount a horse with so much talent as what he's got. It wouldn't surprise me if he won, but at the same time, he wouldn't be carrying my cash to do so. No, Dubai is the one for Andy, as I mentioned, currently uh, at a decent price at 14 to 1. Uh, we'll move on now to the Goodwood Cup. And yesterday, Andy, you and I spoke about Enable's chances on Saturday. And I have a feeling we'd have a similar conversation here where it's not a great betting heat, but it is, of course, a fantastic spectacle in itself. And Stradivarius is two on one to two favourite with Santiago. 11 to 4, Nayaf Road 12 to 1, Spanish Mission 16 to 1, uh, Eagles by Day 20 to 1, Who Dares Wins 33s, and Yukin Glen 66s. Absolute heartbreak with just the seven runners as it stands at the moment. So you can't even get your, your nasty each way betting in before the race cuts up if it does. We tried to find a chink in Stradivarius's armour before Ascot. Um, the performance there was absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Is there any reason why that won't happen again? Not really, no. Because the things with, with Stradivarius, the, the setup of these races is always absolutely tailor-made for him. Because the one thing he does do in all of his races, he gives himself every chance by settling. He's mm. such a beautifully relaxed horse. He's like six years old, so he, he's, he's been there and, and done it. Um, nothing seems to phase him. So you can ride a race on him, whereas sometimes, you know, in those races at Royal Ascot where they're going down, the hill down into Swinley Bottom, you've got horses reefing and pulling and wasting energy. Whereas Frankie's just be able to sit sit back on this horse and just let him relax. And it, because he relaxes, he saves his ultimate turn of thought, his, his 
um, party trick for the back end of the race like he did uh, when he won the Gold Cup. They went a sound gallop, as they often do. Naif Road made sure of that, and he just sat in behind him and picked him off. I actually thought that Naif Road did remarkably well to battle and to finish second on that occasion. I think he was the only horse I think I've recorded on the round track maintaining his speed levels down the straight and holding his position because virtually every horse that led into the home straight at Ascot on the round track races over a mile and a half upwards were completely dead in the water. So I'd actually give Naya over half a chance of maybe f- f- filling in the forecast spot here. I don't know whether Santiago or, uh, Santiago run. It'd be lovely if he did because at least it'll give the race um, a little bit of an added, added, added luster. And of course, Santiago is bidding to follow in the same hoofprints that Stradivarius did when he burst onto the scene. Don't forget Stradivarius mm. won the Queen's Vase over a mile six as it was. I think he won the first version of that race when it was a mile six. Went on to beat Big Orange then in the um, in this very race. I think it was th- two, th- three years ago. Uh, yeah, three years ago, obviously, because he was a three-year-old then. Um, and look, you know, his Irish Derby win confirmed him as, a, as one of the best we've seen around, if not the best over a mile and a half. Um, so it'd be fascinating if he turns up. But if he doesn't, and, and we're just left with the, the horses we know about in this bracket, then I think Naif Road will probably lead and he'll just keep galloping. He'll get his head down and Stradivarius will probably just pick him off later on. But I don't think Stradivarius will be able to get or be as dominant as he was at Ascot because I do think I say Ascot is a brutal track for front runners where I think Goodwood, because you can get breathers into the bends, they go uphill, they go around the back of the trees and, and all those little corners and little pockets on the track, you can fill the horse up when they go up to the top of the hill. You can actually get another breather into them and then you can let them freewheel downhill. So front runners have a better chance of conserving their energy where whereas they don't at Ascot. It's just hard out, flat out, always on the collar, always having to work hard from the front. And the front runners and the and the deep closers always come and pick you off. Um so again it's a bet I can't possibly advise now because I don't think anyone's betting without Stradivarius. Mm. Uh, but my ideal scenario for a bet here would be Santiago doesn't run and we're left with Nayev Road as as the bet without the favourites. Interesting you're talking about the the track because there are some quotes from John Gosden this morning on Goodwood, the track, and how it suits Stradivarius. Uh, the great man says, Goodwood is a demanding track in that you twist left, you twist right, you go uphill and you go downhill. You've got to be quick on your feet, which he is. So I think he does enjoy Goodwood. It's not going to be a big field and so it'll be very tactical. We will leave the race to Frankie and see how it works out. And I think that kind of plays into to what Andy's been saying. Interesting, some quotes as well on Santiago where Gosden says the challenge is that he now has to give £15 to an Irish Derby winner. £15 is a lot of weight to be giving to a very talented three-year-old. And I think it's one of the greatest challenges of his career. Would you agree with that, Andy? If, if Santiago does turn up, we could be seeing, you know, the, the challenge really being served up to uh, to Stradivarius. 100%, George. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm not a great weights and measures man, but, you know, that is a huge, huge burden isn't it for, for Stradivarius to give away to not just any old three-year-old we're, we're dealing with a three-year-old here now that you know we can we can sort of confidently say uh, is is the best in, in his in his generation obviously Serpentine will have something to say about that um, you know but he, he's not likely to be stepping up in trip anytime soon Santiago probably does look the archetypal St. Ledger horse, doesn't he? I think he's favourite to win at the St. Ledger uh, later yeah. on in the, se- in the season. But, I mean, you go back to Stradivarius when he won, when he was carrying such a lightweight. Big Orange at the time, don't forget, had come off the back of a Gold Cup win. And Big Orange was like, I think he was about a five to four favourite to win that day. And he, he had everything before him. And he, he got 
almost a similar run through to what he did at Ascot and still couldn't put away the three-year-old. So if, if Stradivarius is ever going to be vulnerable, um, this is the race that will severely test him. If he comes through this, we can put him up there, you know, with the, with the absolute greats like Lamos and Ardross and all that good um, two-milers before him. Well, fingers crossed. As a spectacle, then we do see Santiago turn up, who is currently 11-4 to four to knock Stradivarius's crown off Stradivarius. 1-2, uh, two, 2-1. Two on. So on to the last race we're going to be able to cover in full today because the markets are up and it is the handicap that comes after the Goodwood Cup uh, where we have, it is the Qatar handicap uh, and we have Magic J is the 5-1 to one favourite. Uh, Mountain Peak next up is 6-1. to one. Celsius 7-1 to one alongside Acclaim the Nation. Recon Mission 10-1. to one. 12 to 1 bar, plenty of horses left in here at the moment. We can probably assume it's going to cut up a fair bit. But Andy, at the prices at the moment, does anybody take your fancy? Not necessarily at the prices, George, because he's been relatively well found. But I've got a lot of time for this improving Ed Vaughan horse, Magic J. I was really impressed with the way he won at Sandown. I don't often get carried away with uh, performances nowadays, you know, because I've seen enough racing in my, in my life now to take it all with a pinch of salt and, um, you know, just. Uh, deal with it at face value but time figure wise he was he was hugely impressive um when he won at Isha and I love the way he traveled through the races he quickened up and to my recollection as well Magic J did some Magic J did something that I haven't seen any horse do for a long long time and that was win racing over on that far side rail at Sandown which has very much been the dead rail for about the last two or three years horses that tend to finish off their races down the middle of the track have been running over the top of the horses that have been making the running on the rail but he quickened up on that far rail inside the final furlong and quickly put dial up between, his, between himself and the rest. I'm pretty convinced that this horse is going to be running in Patton Company sooner rather than later. This will probably be one of the last chances he'll get to run in a handicap. There's bound to be loads of pace on here without creating every single horse in the race. You know, your Caspian Princes, the ornates of this world, they're going to go in a million. And if ever a race was teed up for a horse like Magic J, who's got a huge cruising speed just to sit in behind him, and this is it. He hasn't set foot on Goodwood, so I don't know whether he'll handle the track. That's the only slight um, negative I have about him. But as far as a horse's ability goes, then Magic Jay's right up in the top bracket here. And I'll be expecting fireworks from him at Goodwood on Tuesday. Any concerns that he's struggled to settle in a couple of his races this year? Absolutely. And that's the reason I'm pointing out the front runners. If you've got a horse that doesn't settle in this race, the one thing you do, you do need um, is an absolute like worldy gallop where mm. settling is not an issue because you know you, if a horse is flat out it just cruise you know without straining too hard where if they're slightly going just a slightly slower gallop than normal there is that chance of them over racing but there will not be one of that none of that here you've got recon mission in there as well i missed him out so you've got three absolute mass front runners who you know they're going to be going 10 seconds flat for the first three furlongs and Magic J, if he's drawn by them as well, obviously we don't know the draw, but if he's drawn in and around where all those fast horses I've said are, then he's going to get the perfect toe down to the furlong pole, and then he's got a good turn of foot. So I'm really excited by this horse. So I, I've marked him up as one of the, 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 the next sort of wave of sprinters coming through, potentially that could get into that sort of group three, group two category. I'm not suggesting he's, you know, he's up there with the likes of Batash and, uh, <laughs> of, 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 and Al Ali of this world just at this moment in time because he's got to earn his strikes. But I think this time next year, when he develops as well, don't forget he's only a, he's only a four-year-old. I, I think, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to see this horse moving into that kind of level soon, you know, in the near future. Magic J, 5-1 to one with William Hill, Betfair Sportsbook, Paddy Power 
and Unibet have a feeling that price not might not be around when we get to uh, 20 past four on Tuesday. Um, I should say, sorry, 3.45 on Tuesday. But on to the last two races of the day. The 20 past four is a maiden and the 4.55 is a handicap um, I'm, you know, over, over a mile and a half. Guessing not much to say on the maiden, Andy. No markets for either of them. But any any horses in either race that you just want to highlight at this early stage? Um, yeah, the maiden. I, I've, there's, there's a few in that that, that have run quite well. Um, that lovely name, Dilly Dang, Dilly Dong, <laughs> <laughs> as after uh, Claudio Ranieri, of course, um, King yeah. Power horse. I, I thought that ran a nice race first time out for the Hannon Camp. The Hannon's horses are running really well, uh, and um, Rafe Beckett's uh, Zaffarelli as well down the down towards the bottom. He ran well on debut 15 days ago. Those are the two that I'd look at there early doors. But the last race is more right up my street. This race haunted me last year. It was going to bring back really sad memories about talking about it. But um, uh, George Scott had a horse in this race called Mole Davis, Mm. who was by far and away the most unluckiest loser of of the entire uh, glorious Goodwood Festival last year. I still have nightmares watching the rerun. And um, yeah, I think Hayley Turner will, will go to a grave um, wishing that she could have had a chance to ride that race again. But anyway, George has, has got a nice filly in the making called Eau Claire de Lune, who has just had the uh, three starts. Fifth on debut at, at, um, Ling, at not Lingfield, at Kempton, in a very uh, good maiden, which um, threw up a very good time figure, and the race has worked out accordingly. Then went to Doncaster, was up against the Colts, um, was fairly easy to back. There was a couple of strongly fans horses, horses in there, Swift Verdict and uh, Dream With Me. And she kicked them out of touch and clocked a very big number. Uh, and I said to George, I think you've got a good filly on your hands here. Um, he went, he run her against um, an improving um, cult of um, William Haggis's called a, a Star Above mm. at Leicester the other night. And, and she was really unlucky. She made the running, but a Star Above just found a, a better turn of foot later on. But she got her head down, battled all the way to the line. There was only half a length between them at the finish. And there was like five lengths back to the rest. So... He was, he was, she was really unlucky to bump into a horse of that nature. She's gone up from a mark of 77 to 83, thoroughly deserved in my opinion. And she ships up here of what I think is a, a pretty um, lenient mark. I don't think personally this race is a very strong race. Um, when I knew George was going to enter this horse, we thought there was going to be some really choice three holes in there. You know, perhaps a few horses that have been maybe running in pattern or, or listed level. It was a 0 to 95 this, but. Lo and behold, the top-rated horse is only rated 87. Mm. So this is a really, really weak race uh, for the track standards, for what race I thought it was going to be. I do think this Eclair de Lune is a particularly well-handicapped horse. Ben Curtis is riding. He rode her uh, to victory when, when he won on her at um, Donny. So what be, kind of I'll, price are we anticipating, do you reckon? I'm well, hoping for, be, I should say. She's <laughs> going to be one of the market leaders. I, I don't think she'd be absolute favourite. I can't, I can't put me... Finger on which one will be, maybe something like Dancing Approach, who's won its last two. Uh, you know, a couple of the older horses who've been plying the trade in, in this, kind of, this kind of level. Or Saf as well, of course, is a course winner for Chagonin, who finished um, uh, one place ahead of Haute Claire de Lune at um, Kempton, is another one to consider. But I'll be, I'll be shocked if she's not in and around the 5-6-1 to one bracket. But if I can get anything each way on a Claire de Lune, then she'd be close to being one of my naps of the day on day one. Good stuff. Good to hear a fancy, even Andy, in a market which doesn't even exist yet. That is why we pay you the big bucks. There you go. There you go. Uh, Thank you very much, Andy, for joining me today. We spoke yesterday. So if you're listening to this before Saturday, 
Um, Andy and I were joined by Daryl Carter to talk through the card at Ascot on Saturday with, of course, Enable running in the King George. And we covered a race at York as well. So make sure you go and find that on any podcast app or on YouTube. You can watch us there as well. We are going to say farewell, Andy, for the weekend, but we're going to be speaking yep. again at 11 o'clock on Monday morning with Sam Turner joining us as well to talk through the next couple of days of the Qatar Goodwood Festival or Glorious Goodwood. Please do download the Odds Checker app immediately uh, if you want to run through all of the best prices, all of the runners and riders, and all the information you need to pick your winners, including free bets and bookie offers as well. And, of course, Andy's tips first thing every morning of the whole season, of the whole year, basically, and Daryl Carter's daily naps as well. You need to download the app for that. But crucially, enjoy the first day of Glorious Goodwood. Always one of the greatest weeks racing in the calendar year. And please gamble responsibly. <laughs>